eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast. This is the third time I've done the open because the crew is not in unison today. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, we're okay. We're, we're doing we're fine. fine. We're yeah. fine. Cole Carmody and Ryan Gills Gilbert, we don't know what's going on with them. I think they've been... Uh, like huffing helium or something. Hey, you know what? We're sponsored by the fridge. They don't serve helium there, but they have other stuff that'll give you a... Never mind. I don't know where that was going. You were close. I was close. That's I kind of couldn't come up with the right word. Get into the fridge. It's a home game this weekend. Next weekend, make sure you stop in. If you're looking for that bottle of Wabash Reserve, they have it at the fridge. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. We are in a hurry today because Ryan Gills Gilbert has to go to his other job, which is slinging drinks for degenerates at a different bar than our two sponsors. I can't name the name of it because they're not a sponsor, uh, but it's a fine establishment. It's a fine establishment. I think he's leaving because he doesn't like us. Well, he can't read. We've already established that. A lot of, he had, a lot of us here can't read. During the first attempt to record this podcast, I think he had a stroke. It's okay. He's back. On the second attempt, Cole had a little breakdown. And now Zach Carlson is taking he's over the reading over. of the questions. He is the Alexander Haig of this podcast. I don't get the reference. Okay, there we go. Starting off from KNED, has Booth Memorial Stadium reached a point that the Big 12 needs to institute minimum stadium requirements to host football games, such as things like having functional plumbing for everyone in attendance? And he included a picture of the porta-potties, which I experienced at halftime because I didn't go up to the press box. He also asks, what percent of KU fans in the end zone premium seating garbage bar with porta-potties were in there thinking, no way, Silo Tech has something this cool? Zach, how embarrassing was that thing? I think it's embarrassing that they call it the field goal club. I know. So the touchdown. The touchdown yeah. club? Come on. Like they're just Ugh. happy with the field goal. Field goal club in the north end. It's kind of lame. I know why they did it because it's right behind the goal posts. But they kick a lot of field goals. That's why they did oh, it. Oh, my gosh. It The whole thing's embarrassing. I did some of my daily delivery on it. It's, it's getting so bad. Uh, you know, I hadn't been over there. I didn't go two years ago because of my health. So I hadn't been over since 17. And in four years taking four years off or three, depending on how you look at it, to see the deterioration of the facility over that period, it's astonishing. They're to the point of no return with it. They're either going to have to fix it soon or tear it down and start over. They're, they're so indecisive about what to do about their damn football facility because, let's be honest, they don't want to spend money on football. They want to spend money on basketball because that's all they care about. That's all they care about is basketball. They would love to not be embarrassing in football, and yet they won't give the football program the tools it needs to not be embarrassing. If they really have the money to tear it down and start over, they need to start the process of figuring out how we get around the fact that it's a memorial stadium. So it's a historical site 
Do they leave up walls? How do they do that? They need to work it out. They need to figure it out. They need to build a damn stadium. Play in Arrowhead and the sporting field for one year if you need to, maybe one and a half. Start over, Kansas. It's an absolute embarrassment. You are the Vanderbilt with lesser academics of the Big 12. Vanderbilt's just leeching off SEC money and they don't fix up their stadium. You're doing the same damn thing. You take all the football money and put it into Adidas boxes and hand it out to players, I bet. I don't know what's going on. It's, it is, you don't have plumbing anymore. And you know what's amazing about it? They don't seem embarrassed. They don't care. They don't care. They don't realize how bad it is. It's like when you guys walk into my house and it probably smells like dogs, but I don't know it smells like dogs because I'm around it all the time. They've gone nose blind to how crappy their stadium is. It's an absolute insult to the rest of the Big 12 that we have to go visit that crap fest. Because that new, nice new press box, I don't know how old it is now, Zach, but it's getting there. It's got it, one elevator. It's The elevator service is horrible, and now even that nice press box is kind of falling apart. What's crazy is, this is not an exaggeration, Wichita State's football stadium is just as nice as KU's. The stadium that hasn't hosted a football game in 35 years. That stadium where they have the Kansas State track meets or whatever, Mm -hmm. that stadium is just as nice as KU's. It looks the exact same. You can't convince me otherwise. That was an awful experience. And let me just say, too, I was calling the game for the student radio station, and um, even their own students, they they gave them a table that – if you touched it, you would get a splinter. And you know they, they put the K-State film people, the KU film people, all up on one part of the weather deck to where at K-State it's nice and spread out. There's, there's room for everybody. But they just jammed them up there and said, here you go. This is what you're doing. So, I mean, it, it was like something out of the 1980s. It was, it was, it was pathetic. Ooh, that long ago. And unfortunately, I know the 80s were a good time, uh, not necessarily in K-State football, but it feels like KU football is yeah. stuck in the 80s still. I agree. Yeah, I couldn't believe the porta potties when I went around the the corner there because I wasn't going to go up the one elevator up to the press box at halftime. I just hung out. The weather was nice. Saw the porta potties and was just like, no, I'm not doing that. So I you couldn't went to the bathroom it. on the field. I waited until the end of the game and in the and the end of media. It was a long wait, mm. but it was worth it. Seriously, to not stand in line. Seriously, the high school stadium at Blue Valley Northwest is a better place to watch a game than David Booth Memorial Stadium. I truly believe that. There are 6A high school district stadiums that are better places to watch a game than at that stadium. It's crappy. It's just awful. Let's move on. Next question is from Exhausted Nihilist. I didn't see any footage of the governor handing over the cup to K-State. Is this normal or just a foregone conclusion that K-State never has to give it back? Yeah, I didn't see that either. I don't, why don't you in there? I don't think she was there. I didn't remember seeing her down there on the field. So I assume that just means that okay, she was there. Okay, they retired the old cup a while back. So Kansas has never had this cup. They've never had it at all. <clears throat> never, not once. They don't care. They don't. Their slogan is ridiculous, first of all. The We Play for Kansas. You drive on I-70 and you see We Play for Kansas in quotes from apparently that's what Lance Leipold said at his introductory press conference, I'm assuming. But then they have 19 Kansas kids on the roster (laughs) compared to K-State's 56 or 59 or whatever the number is. I don't know off the top of my head. It's somewhere in that range. But you you can't say that you play for Kansas. You represent the state. When you don't care about the rivalry, because let's let's face it, KU fans do not care about this rivalry. We can look at the Twitter feuds and everything all we want, but if K-State loses to KU in basketball, K-State fans are frustrated. They're mad. If they lose, you know, God forbid they lose to KU in football, obviously they're angry. But to KU fans, uh, I literally heard this in the elevator on the way down. They stopped at the donor suites, the donor floors, and, well, the boys tried really hard. You know, it was a, it was a fun. We were in it for a little bit. They tried really hard, but you know, basketball starts on Tuesday. I know. Those I know they really didn't words. care because as we record this, we're watching KU beat Michigan State. This is all they care about. They would literally 
never win another football game if they could just stay good in basketball. They would make that deal. And I'm not sure they haven't made the deal with the devil. <clears throat> I don't get it. I just don't I don't understand it. Ryan Gilbert, it was uh your first experience in Lawrence at the football stadium at least. Now what I don't I was wanna... there two years ago. <clears throat> oh you I were wait out for the first quarter because there were not enough ticket takers. I remember that as well. Oh yeah. god. Um okay, that Anyways, is it doesn't continue. matter. That's a that's irrelevant to the question I want to ask. When you stuck around on Saturday night in Lawrence, yes you did, folks, and went to the local uh Gin establishments. I assume they're <laughs> serving gin. Um, did you tell people you were a KU football player? They probably thought you were like a defensive end. Well, I was wearing purple, so that wouldn't have worked out. How were you treated? I probably heard FK State, I don't know, 25 or 30 times. Yeah. Just minding my own business, walking through. And I'm not bashing KU at all for that. K-State fans are the exact same way. Absolutely. I heard it a lot. Did you think it was an insult to towards your alma mater or an offer for something? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <Hang> on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question, Zach. <laughs> From Ryan, Powercat Ryan. <laughs> if K-State averages a 6-7 and seven record over the next five seasons and Kansas averages a 3-9 and nine record over the next five seasons, K-State will pass KU in all-time win percentage. Will this feat happen within five seasons? K-State has averaged a 7-6 and six record over the previous four-plus seasons. KU has been less than 2-10. and 10. That's very optimistic My. to say Kansas will win three games a year. Uh, man, I if, think you if could KU give a... starts winning three games a year, they're gonna, it's going to be the Lance Leipold family stadium. Well, let's put this into perspective. If you count this season, assuming KU loses out, which I think we're all in agreement that they will, they would have to win four games next year for that to average the three and nine record through two seasons. K State's, or excuse me, KU is not averaging a three and nine record over the next five years. It's just I, not happening. I think you'll get them better, but guys, I, I got to admit it. After seeing them in person, they are so far behind. I mean, they lost to Texas Tech basically forty-one to nothing. It ended up forty-one fourteen, and Tech two weeks later fires its coach. I mean, they are so far behind the rest of the Big Twelve. Programs are out there firing coaches for being as successful as KU would love. If they had the success that Matt Walls, Matt Wells or Gary Patterson was seeing this season, they'd be overjoyed. That, that is the least talented version of a KU football team I've seen. At the start of the year, I actually thought they were going to be a little bit better. No, they're horrible. They're I'm, s- they stink. I'm not so sure that if you uh, you tell Lance Leipold everything, you give him a, a crystal ball, he looks into the future to today Right now, where he's at, if he doesn't stay at Buffalo for another year or two and and maybe try and get a job that's a little bit better than Kansas. Yeah, I, I was shocked when he took it. I think he took it not fully understanding the deficit that they're in, mm-hmm. thinking they're just bad and I can fix it. It's a cultural issue that is going to be very difficult to unwind. Bill Snyder did it <clears throat> here with a similar situation, a worse situation, to be honest. Because you think uh, we're complaining about the facilities at KU. They would have been cherished at Kansas State in 1988. So, I don't know. They just got so much work to do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. I really wouldn't be surprised th- if he leaves. I think you could give K-State four seasons and this would happen easily. I agree. The math of this. Just, just the math. I think five is extremely favorable. That K-State just has to go plus one above 500 for five seasons. That's all they need, and KU has to go three and nine of all Better records. Better than what they've done in the past five years. They could do this in two and a half years mm-hmm. potentially if K State gets it really rolling. So I don't know what the future holds for Tim Fitzgerald, but I do want to live long enough where K State gets ahead in this series. So what do we got? Like fifteen more years of that, where K State needs to win, depending on who the record is. But Seriously, yeah. Though, oh yeah, that's right. 15. They have different records. Seriously, though. There is a real when when is K State going to lose to KU? Because at some point I understand that something weird will happen and KU will beat K State. That will happen eventually. But the over the 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 arc of each program is the complete opposite right now. No matter what you think about Chris Kleiman, K State will have talent for the next four years that is superior to KU's talent for the next four years. So unless something crazy happens, you would think that like K State would win. 
the entire quarterback room comes down with some disease from a pandemic and they're the only ones that aren't allowed to play or something like mm-hmm. that. What was that 2017 when K-State almost beat K-State in Manhattan? KU. KU or, yes. You really were having issues. Did you have a little stroke? Wouldn't have been 17. Yeah. That okay? would have been at KU. It would be 2018. 18, sorry. Yes. Um, David Beatty's last game. Sorry, Fitz. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was. And then they fired him. <laughs> he actually got competitive, so they fired him. But that was Alex Delton quarterback? Game? Yeah, I think so. Bottom line is that was not an easy win. Fitz, so we, you, you talked about this, but I, I would obviously was not around when Bill Snyder had just gotten the job as K-State's head coach. But I would think that turning that KU program around today is a harder task than what Bill Snyder had based solely upon the transfer portal, based solely upon the type of kid, the, the the type of people that kids are today, based upon the attitude of the community, and based upon how competitive the Big Twelve potentially will be with more teams inside of the conference. I think all those factors, and just the fact that it's 2021, make that s- such a hard job and just as hard, if not harder, than. When Bill Snyder took over. I feel like we've talked about that on previous podcasts. Yeah. And I don't know if it was when Gills was on or if it was with Riley, but I've always said, yeah, if you take all of the advantages that you have in the 21st century, you know, equipment, you know, facilities, whatever else. Money. Money. You take that from today and give that to Bill Snyder 30 years ago nearly. Yeah. It's it's no question that it's it's, it's, it's if you are this bad today and you can't figure out a way to be successful, this is <laughs> sorry, sorry dog 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 distraction. Dude's dude's like looking for permission to get on the couch, which he can do. It's I look. The bottom line is when Bill Snyder came to K State, the school had no money for football. They had no money for athletics. There weren't these big TV contracts. There's no reason in this day and age to have run down anything when it comes to college football if you're a Power Five institution. It's shameful. It's disgraceful, and I'm I'm honestly sick of it. That place is a crap fest. <laughs> I'm t- I'm getting militant about this. They don't want to fix their damn facilities. Tell them they can find a new conference. Go to the Big Ten. They'll they'll pick you up when you're part of the American. Uh, I'm just really fed up with the attitude of KU that it's only about basketball. That's not why conferences are getting big contracts. That's not why the Big 12 sends you 25 to 30 million dollars a year in revenue. It's for football. A little bit's for basketball. I admit it, and I admit that you carry more water in that area than anyone else in the conference, but most of these TV contracts are based on football. That's what pays the bills in college athletics. And you use the money that everyone else generates from football to feed your basketball program, and you ignore football. I'm fed up with it. Next question is from OilerCat2. Depending on how K-State finishes, what are your bowl game scenarios? Um, I will attend a bowl game and cover it. That's my scenarios. The top bowl is the Texas Bowl? No. Cheese no. it's top. Uh, of, of the real okay. – right. Alamo. Alamo is, I think, of the realistic scenarios. Right. I think that Cheez-It is probably, is probably the peak. If K-State can go 9-3, and Cheez-It comes into play, which is now the Orlando Bowl. That was the what was the bowl? It's been a dozen bowls. It's probably it was, been renamed. Uh, it was the outdoor – what was it? It was Camping, camping World. Camping World. World. Yeah, but now it's a cheese it bowl that yeah. was in Phoenix. Now they sold out and they become the – because apparently cheese it's really big in Orlando. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Bigger than Phoenix. Either apparently. way, though, I don't believe that K-State will be in play for a game after the first of the year. Correct? Yes, sir. No. Texas Bowl. Texas, Texas Bowl. On the fourth. So is that – The final bowl of the bowl season Is that a bigger bowl than the cheese it bowl? No. no. It's one step below. No. It goes Alamo, cheese it Texas. Texas, Liberty, guaranteed rate, and then whatever Dallas Bowl is in the rotation. Gotcha. Right. Okay. And all those are – you want the range? That's it. Outside of the Alamo. I mean, at 6-6, six and six, K-State could end up in one of those bowls in the Dallas area, or they could end up in Phoenix. But if you get up to 9-3, and three, you could end up in Cheez-It. I guess if OU and Oklahoma State both make New Year's 6 and then – Iowa State and Baylor fall off. 
they could go to the Alamo. Well, I mean, it's entirely possible yeah. in two weeks. Case it'll be above Baylor in the standings. Yeah, yeah. very true. I mean, Baylor could have, they could be tied going into the game if if uh, the favorites win this weekend. I think Texas Bowl is the safest <clears throat> projection, which is yeah. the Pro- the one on the fourth. Yeah. Yes, in January. Yeah. I think that's probably the Down safest. Yeah. Probably Arkansas would be my guess at this point. Hooray! I would like Again? to see. I mean, that's just how it kind of lines up. Arkansas is six and three right now, too. What's the bull in Phoenix? You could play Mississippi Guaranteed State. Rate. Guaranteed rate. Maybe Auburn. Florida's pretty much fallen out unless K State goes to the Liberty Bowl and if Florida's able to turn it around. But about Clemson? Didn't we have a projection? Uh, on Clemson? Clemson is might be falling below the Cheese It Bowl, and mm-hmm. that's the only ACC opportunity for K State. Mm-hmm. I would like to see LSU and in maybe instead of Arkansas. Seven and five. No, I don't want to go to the Liberty Bowl to play LSU. <laughs> I don't want to go to the Liberty Bowl at all. Let's not talk about it anymore. And nothing against Liberty Bowl. It's just we've seen it a couple times. It's that's a horrendous. Drive. If we want to talk it's about, so if we want to talk about facilities, and we're talking about KU, uh, is the Liberty Bowl better than KU's Memorial Stadium? Were you delving into this on the message board? Yeah, barely. See, I'm not as familiar with the actual facility. The big facility. But I think, if I recall, interview and all that, it's a better situation in Yes, Memphis. that's what I said. The press box, press box, the press box is, is worse at Liberty Bowl. Everything else, slight edge. The press box is almost to the point of being condemned in Memphis. I mean, the, their big push now is to build the new suite structure to go on that side with the press box. It's not like K-State did, but it'll be part of the stadium because of the way the Bulls configured. That's what they're trying to get through the city to do. But I'm I'm with, I'm just Memphis if you really want to be in the Big 12, you start planning and building an on-campus stadium. You find a spot. You just got to do it. That if you look around college realignment, the on-campus stadium movement is really strong and important. Final question of the first half is from uh, El Camino Cat is Felix Anaduke Uzama one of the best defensive ends in the country? Do you think he will be a finalist for the Ted Hendricks Award for the best defensive end in the nation? No, I don't. I don't think he's even a nominee. Is he? I don't know. I, I don't I'm know. not sure is, if he's on the list. I'm not yet. sure, but is it too late to make a list? I don't know. I don't think it's too late. I don't know, but I don't think he's going to be overly recognized on a national basis. I think after we get through this three games, he'll be well-known through the Big 12. I think he'll be first-team Big 12. I I would agree. He is probably the most impactful defensive end right now. I'm not going to say best because I don't think he is. I I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there who, let's put it this way, if he was in the draft, he wouldn't be the top guy. I mean, but we're talking college defensive ends here, and he is really, really disruptive. And as good. a sophomore, as keep a that sophomore. in mind. I think he'll be making watch lists next year at the start of the season. I mean, it's very rare for someone who comes into their sophomore season having not played at all to just jump on, you know, watch list and then have an amazing season and then get, you know, bumped up. So I, I could see him at the at the end of the season, you know, you talk about being on all-conference list, definitely. I think that there's an outside chance he could be a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. There is. I think that there's a, an outside chance of that, but I, unfortunately I don't think he'll be on any awards. Brian, uh, Brian Hanley and I got into this quite a bit, that we feel like both Daniel Green and Felix are – NFL caliber guys, I agree. and you've got to have that on your defense, and they, they need more. I mean, they just don't have enough of that level guys to to offset some of the other people, but they're getting there. They're, it's improvement. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. On the other side, I assume we're going to talk a little basketball a little bit as Kansas State tips off its season Wednesday night at Bramlage Coliseum against the Florida A&M Rattlers. Now, I watch Yellowstone. So I know how dangerous a rattler is. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Holtz Liquor. University of Kansas is going to win their opener. I know everyone's excited to know it. It's basketball season in Lawrence. Um, they have won another game. Oh, no, 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 no. You know they, you know they chant it before the game in football games because they know they won't do it after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard it. It's kind of sad. That's kind of weird. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you support all of our local businesses here in Manhattan. They've had a rough year, as all local businesses have. So when you're in town, make sure you shop local, eat local, drink local. Go see Ryan Gilbert at his local place, mm-hmm. which isn't a sponsor. Here we go. More questions from Wabash Station. I'm only trusting Zach this week. First question of the second half is from KSU number one. How do you like that 4.30 p.m. kickoff against Baylor? Is that weird? Just when you think you've got everything figured out, (laughs) FS1 goes, heck with it. We're going to play a 4.30 game. I love it. I'm curious what FS1 has going on. Do they have have soccer going on? Soccer or or basketball? It has to be. Yeah, they've got something Something's got to be preceding 4.30. They're just like, well, here's the window. I like it. I don't know how you guys feel. I think it's awesome. Well, I mean, it's, it's going to be weird think, about it. Uh, no, it's it's probably the worst window outside of being a night game. It's what's well, wrong with the night game? I don't this? like night for work for work purposes oh, for the site purposes. No, yeah. it's about the. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you do a night game, you know you make all this content, but everybody's asleep because you get out of media. Like two hours after the game, everybody's in Aggieville doing whatever. They're not reading about the game. I want you guys to re. I want you guys to be on the website. Fitz talks. That's why about- I like 11 a.m. games. You're on the website at seven o'clock at night on a Saturday. True. Fitz talks about the best kickoff times to for, for Aggieville and for local businesses. Well, this is the perfect time. Two uh, thirty is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those businesses love two thirty. I think, but four thirty is going to be weird at this time of year because it's going to be pitch black by halftime. Yeah, it's going to be a. It's it's technically a night game. Really. It is. I mean, 4.30 right now, the sun is going down. Very, very strange. That's a huge game. I think Baylor's really good. I, I just think Dave Aranta's done an amazing job. And they weren't depleted in talent as much as people want to say. They had some dudes. They had some really good players on that team. And they're all stepping up now. Won't be surprised he ends up at LSU. I'm hoping he ends up at LSU. I'm sure LSU's thinking bigger and better, but... I think they need to stop window shopping and go with quality over kind of a splash, which is all they've been doing. So if it's a 430 kick, they will honor seniors at around four-ish. Think about how when they take those pictures, it's going to be pretty light outside. That will be cool. Then twilight almost. It's literally the sun going down on their football career. Yeah. There we go. It's poetic. It's the poetic edition. Of the Power Cat Questions podcast. Next question is from AgCat 2019. What will it take for K-State to start selling out the bill again? Does it strictly hinge on having a double-digit win type of season? Does it require elite skill position players, staff, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, what's interesting about the stadium is we all thought they weren't done adding seats. That they'd go into the corners now where the Shamrock Zone is and add more seats. But as it turns out, they were exactly right. The stadium's the appropriate size, and not because um, the fan base can't support it, but because the viewing habits of so many people has changed. Most places are seeing a drop in attendance because it's easier and more comfortable to sit and watch at home on your big 72-inch 4K TV. 
I mean, it, this the experience of going to the stadium isn't what it used to be, and people um, aren't going in the same numbers. I'm not sure K-State will ever sell out on a regular basis. I think you're right. They will only be selling out games in really high-profile seasons if they've got to run at the Big 12 title. It becomes intriguing if K-State gets more competitive in the new Big 12, you know, not just because Oklahoma's leaving, but maybe they get improvement, starts building. How will, how will fans react to not having an Oklahoma or Texas on the home schedule every year? I mean, will that impact things at all? I mean, I don't think it will in Manhattan and straighten out Cincinnati or something for those teams. I think, fan, I think K-State fans are unique because they really do typically show up for their team. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. They're showing up for their team. Right. But the reality is, folks, the reality is Kansas State is not a big fan base. It just isn't. And, and trust me, I know because I literally overestimated the size of the fan base when I started PowerCat Illustrated, the magazine. You know, when I found out that in that 50,000-seat stadium, they only had X number of actual ticket accounts, I was like, well, how do we have almost 6,000 print subscribers? You know, it just didn't add up. When you take out the student tickets and you start thinking about how many people have four, six, eight tickets, there are not that many ticket holders. It is not a big fan base. It's a rapidly loyal fan base. So they got to continue to grow it, though. They got to get back into Kansas City. When they were really good, people would come from Kansas City, just people, to watch good football. I think another answer to this question fits. It has to do with the the future of broadcasting. I know that our boards have been talking about this over at Wabash Station. People were really frustrated that there has been remote announcers for the K-State games. I don't understand that philosophy at all. Uh, the under, you don't understand why people are frustrated? No, I, no. That, why are they doing remote No, I'm with you. So I think, quite honestly, if – that becomes a trend where it's like, oh, well, K-State's going to get relegated to having remote announcers. Well, I don't even want to deal with that, so I'm just going to go to the game. Yeah, could be. I, think, I, I don't think there's going to be that many people that are no, like that. But, there might be some. But, but I think but, if the future goes more towards but yeah. budget constraints, because you watch games on TV, and it's like you can, you can tell. When they're not there. I mean, that was a, an issue we had all of last season with football games, with basketball games. It was frustrating. You know, you had to sit here, even if you're covering a team, and listening to a, a guy go crazy after he makes a three-point shot two seconds later. Right? I mean, it, it's frustrating. And it do, it takes away from the game. I think mm-hmm. it really does. Okay. So I think that as we move out of the pandemic stage of sports viewing – People are going to come back to the games, especially if the the trend of that was set during the pandemic of big broadcast companies stays. I think people I, are going to go back. I actually disagree. I think that the pandemic, K-State had been largely unaffected by the the trend of decreasing in, t- in attendance. K-State, they're loyal. They're rabid. They'll go to games, but the not being able to go to games during the covid covid year during 2020 being able to sit at home and say you know this kind of beats going to to the stadium taking a whole day of having to go to a football game i can just sit here and watch it and take three hours and my day's still you know i can do whatever else i want to do with my day and i think there's probably a little bit of a carryover for that this year but one thing you guys haven't mentioned is K-State, and and this kind of goes to the whole president search thing, and K-State as an institution as a whole, K-State's down nearly 5,000 students from Mm -hmm. what they were a few years ago. What do you when you look at season ticket packages? What's the season ticket package they offer? Young alumni. How many young alumni is the university pumping out compared to what they were five years Mm -hmm. ago? A lot less. So there's a lot less people to buy those young alumni tickets that are going to buy other tickets. You know, once they're off the being young alumni, there's less. People being pumped in, pumped into the potential ticket buying base. So I think that you know when when K State starts seeing growth from a student perspective, I think that's when you'll see more attendance growth because you know more students on campus also means more student attendance, but that gives more people the opportunity to buy tickets families once they too. graduate. Yeah. Families too, students, families that right. come down for the games, purchase season tickets. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I want to jump off onto another topic. And it's based on what you guys have been discussing with the TV 
and people were complaining about the quality of the broadcast, quality of the announcers. The reality is people aren't paying for journalism. People aren't supporting journalism. And what happens is when we start to see fewer and fewer young journalists going into radio to call games, most of them are going into radio now to do talk radio. But back in my day, you went into radio to call as sports, to call football games and basketball games. Well, that's the feeders for people working their way up. The the TV industry let their talent age out. Tim Brando's a perfect example. The guy shouldn't be on the air. Ron Gilbert, I know you're a big fan. <laughs> Aren't we all? Don't you spend every Sunday surfing Twitter for your mentions, even though you weren't mentioned directly? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, they've just let their talent deteriorate, and there's not enough talent in the pipe, in part because they haven't been nourishing it, but they just don't have enough people. And now we're going to pay the price for letting those announcers age because now we got to watch guys struggle to get better. And they will. You, you can see that. it's like anything else. We're going to go through an officiating too. This group is going to age out and we're going to struggle to find enough basketball officials for one. Football's a little bit different. It's really truly more of a weekend job where you can find good people. It's Journalism is so difficult right now because everyone wants whatever's free out there. And the end result of that is a lot of talented people go seek other professions. We've seen it here in Manhattan. John Kurtz has left the industry. My sidekick on the drive, Scott Chasen, left the industry. A lot of good young journalists are leaving the industry. And it's just a problem. And this is the end result. You don't have enough trickling up. You don't have enough work. And you end up with idiots on ESPN hosting shows that they're not capable of hosting. It's just an ongoing frustration of mine. Good old boys club, too. Yeah, a me. lot of that. A lot of that. I, and I, I get and the good old boys clubs changed dramatically, and I'm not going to get into all that, but it's not working the same way it used to work, but it's still in place in a different manner. Well, a lot of it, too, is, I mean, you, you're a former football player. Oh, you must know you must know how to call a game. Or you must be a great color commentator. You played football. You must be good. So we're gonna throw you on TV even though we you've never called a game before. Look at now, I actually like Robert Griffin the third. I think he does a he does a decent job He's on unconventional ESPN. but does a good job. Right. The very first game I watched with him, he's on color commentary. I wanna say it's week zero, and they're doing I wanna say a SWAT game maybe, and he, there's a throw there and he's go oh, oh you know, while he's in the booth, it's like, Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, but it. I almost feel like they literally are throwing guys in without enough training. Jason Witten is another example of that on Monday Night Football when he retired and then ended up coming back, but he was terrible when he was in the booth. So yeah, I mean, it's a problem. Yeah, I, I just don't think they're putting enough effort into talent. They really, I, I think they actually, I kind of disagree with you. I think there's a wealth of talent of potential announcers out there, but the problem is, is you're going to hire. A guy like, I'm just pulling out names, like Robert Griffin, as opposed to a Curry Sexton, who might be really good at it. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I, they just, they've got to figure it out. Like I've argued for basketball, they need to set up a better system for training, evaluating, and nurturing young officials. They need to do the same with on-air talent. But we're, we're seeing a significant bleeding out of talent in the industry. It, it sucks. It really does. From KSU number one, Tim Brando on Twitter. <laughs> Hang on. Come on. Come on. God. Tim Brando on Twitter called the college football playoffs a sham. Do you think there will be more pressure to finally let the actual results on the field determine playoff participation? I, you can say what you want about Tim Brando. I think he's he's regressed as an announcer to the point where they need to remove him. But he's willing to say what's on his mind. <laughs> And I'm surprised it hasn't gotten him canceled by his boss yet. But he does work for Fox. Yeah, they don't own the rights to the yeah. show, to the to the playoff or the show where they unveil things. No, they're doing it right now, and I, I missed it. Um, I, I I agree with him. I could go on for a long time here complaining about what exactly the college football playoff is up to. I was incredibly disappointed 
in those first set of standings. I, I don't understand at all what they were doing there with those standings, but I... It I'm, is a shame, though. Let's be real. Or The whole Oregon thing is just inexplicable to me. What's Gene they, doing up there? They have the worst loss of any of those teams, and yet they got the second highest ranking of one-loss teams behind Alabama. And I understand Alabama is Alabama, but if you're if you're a proven unbeaten team like Oklahoma or Cincinnati, you're parsing the quality of victories while ignoring a loss. <laughs> what? <clears throat> I'm sorry if a victory didn't look good to you, but it's better than losing. I don't understand that. I don't get it. I feel like they do it. The at least the first rankings. I'm, they're on behind me. I don't know what they are yet. Nothing but yet. but the first rankings, it's almost like they designed it to be for Twitter, mm-hmm. for website it's clicks. A TV show. It, I mean, it's a TV show for, for for viewers. It's all about discussion. It seemed like it just seemed like just like let's create the most clickbaity discussion thing for a college football playoff that we can possibly create and put that on air and have Kirk Herbstreit give his take. And then everybody can go onto the message board and talk about why they agree or disagree. You know, if I was put onto a committee and they said, I want to explain to you that we're going to do a little drama here and make some picks. I said, okay, well, I'm going to pick up my stuff and leave now because I'm here to rank teams as they've performed on the field, not play games. I like the idea. Personally, I think if they did something like this for college basketball where they had the selection committee come out with their top 25 teams. And well, they did that. They've done that the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think that if they do that maybe to more of an expanded format to where you kind of know if you're a Bruce Weber who's most likely going to be on the bubble instead of going off of the first 25. Oh, we're ranked number 47. Well, now we know where we are. I think something like that would be you know worthwhile, but uh, I do. I think these rankings are... To be honest, it's it's frustrating as a college football fan because a lot of the teams that are in the top 25, I guarantee you, are not top 25 teams in the country. And it'll work itself out by the end of the year is the problem. It should work itself out. But well, now well, it won't got, if you're Cincinnati. Right. If you're Cincinnati, you're you're screwed. I, I don't. Place. I, I don't get it. It's not like Cincinnati's not playing anyone, guys. Uh, they won at Notre Dame. They, they've beaten Indiana, which was a good team supposedly at the start of the year. They haven't turned out that way. But the American isn't soft. I mean, okay, it's not Power 5. I get it. But it's not the MAC. I mean, ask Mississippi State. They lost to Memphis, which is an average team in the American this year. Tulsa, which is a bad team in the American, gave a lot of people trouble, including Oklahoma State. The American isn't bad, so to dismiss their wins in that conference is is so arrogant. Just the the construction of trying to defend why you put someone somewhere by including other teams that they beat into the rankings is just ridiculous. What they did with Oregon and Ohio State was and putting Minas- obvious. putting Minnesota in uh, just like shameful, what? just disgusting. I don't I don't understand. Gills, how do you feel about this stuff? You're you're just you guys painfully are all silent. Clowns, this is what they want you to do. They want you to talk about yeah? it. You're calling us sheeps? Sheep. Sheeps. Sure. Is that the right term? They want us we to do this to talk it. about it. It's a TV show, like yeah. I said. They want people to talk about it. None of this matters until the final college football playoff rankings come out in week, what is it, 16 or whatever. Yeah. That's it. Like it'll work itself out. Yeah. It's exactly. just it's silly just seeing the reasoning behind the rankings right now, I think. I don't know. Cincinnati has no chance of getting in. If if everyone starts losing, they'll find a team to move above them. They they really don't stand a chance here. Final question of the podcast and time for Gills to get out of here. Participation uh, from 3G Wildcat. If who impressed you with their play in the exhibition game? Who, if any, disappointed? I think you have to look at this game in two halves. Because the first half, K-State didn't really look too good. They were nervous. You could tell it was the first game. There was some rust on that team. And 
nobody really stuck out to me personally. But second half, Logan Landers kicked it up a notch. And and to be honest, he was – I don't want to say he was getting bullied, but you could tell he's a freshman. And he was going up against – I know Pitt State's a inferior opponent, but he was going up against some, some older boys. And he was kind of getting bullied right. around in the paint. And he stepped it up in the second half, had a great game, promising future for him. And then Selton Miguel, probably the other – he was probably the player of the game, the other player that, that stuck out in a good way. And you look at Marquise Noel, he answers both of these questions. He was good and bad. He had six turnovers, but he also had some acrobatic plays and, you know, some, some good plays. But I, this is just me. I don't want to, you know, be too harsh on Noel, but he's not good enough to have that role. He's not as good as Jameis Winston. I don't think that it's worth the risk of him having those turnovers if it pays off with a deep three or whatever. Because he just three or four feet behind the arc, just lobbed up a three. It went in, but if that's one of those shots that if it doesn't go in, Bruce Weber is going to be angry, you know? I think this is the time to do it, though. I think if you if you are going to be that kind of player and that's part of your game, this is the time to find out if you're going to be able to, to do that. Nigel Pack should be the one doing that, not Marquise Noel. That's not Nigel Pack. That's not who he is. I think that's more of what Noel actually is. But I, I'm with you. You can't have six turnovers in a game and expect to win. Against, or expect to be good. Uh, division right. 5 team, whatever right. Pitt State is. Yeah. Division are, 2. Same thing. How are you going to go up against, I don't know, Wichita State or Nebraska? Yeah, not I even think a Big 12 team. My guess is he was just trying to make too much happen. Yeah. That's it was so, his yeah. first game in purple, and mm-hmm. he's trying to make something happen. Well, I'm just afraid that's how it's going to be game in and game out, and I hope not. No, hold on. Hold on. We're They're unveiling the rankings right now. Cincinnati jumped after a ho-hum performance over the weekend. Alabama struggles to beat what we all recognize as a pretty average LSU team. Go Tigers. They stay. They stay exactly. Oregon, I assume, won. They, they won, but their loss, Stanford, got absolutely slaughtered by Utah, right? Mm-hmm. How does that not re- ever reflect on Oregon? How come Cincinnati is being punished for not playing anyone, but Oregon has a horrible loss and they're above them? Ohio State still has to play Iowa. They still have to play Michigan State, and they still have to play Purdue. They're going to lose one of those games, so I don't think it, hopefully it doesn't matter. And I, I love how we just throw in Purdue. Just like, oh, Purdue's there. Mm-hmm. Got to be, be careful. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> a two-loss Ohio State will not get in over Cincinnati. What I hope happens here. What I hope happens here is Oregon stays on its current path and Ohio State loses because I bet you we see Oregon drop at that point. When they don't serve a purpose of propping up Ohio State, who they beat, that's the only reason they're they're there is to say, well, Oregon beat Ohio State, so they got to be one spot of Ohio State. And it's all – you can just see how they manipulated it. It's so obvious. If Ohio State loses, I bet you Oregon drops too. Oh, we don't need them up there anymore. But Cincinnati has moved to fifth, so they're knocking on the door. Who's six and seven? I'm working on it here, buddy. I'm working on it. We hit the pause button, and I'm slowly unveiling the standings to you, my colleagues. We also hit the pause button on basketball. But yes. I, I, I am interested to see Davion Bradford when he is able to come right. back because Casey Eziegu did not look that good against Pitt State. I get, I get, I don't get think foul he's trouble, healthy. but yeah, he was in foul trouble. But they're going to have to rely on him and Landers until Bradford comes back, which he's not going to play. It sounds like tomorrow, he's not probably going to be back to full strength. Maybe until what the Kansas City Classic, maybe. So I, I mm-hmm. think he, it's a completely different team with him back. I, I just like the fact that they have some depth. I mean, they were able to roll Logan Landers up into the five to play him to. Mm-hmm. Um, same, same with Carlton Lingard if he ever gets healthy again in his lifetime. Um, Landers is a four. That's why he was recruited. Bruce Weber said that on Tuesday's teleconference that, you know, that's what he's been practicing. That's why he was recruited to be a stretch four. But he, he has the flexibility to go big. So, by the way, Zach, Michigan and Michigan State round out the top okay. seven. Because go big ten. When's Purdue get up in there? So let's put it this way. You have three Big Ten teams with a loss ahead of an unbeaten Big 12 team. That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. They're in the SEC yet. Give it one more year or two. 
three one-loss Big Ten teams are better than Oklahoma. <laughs> now, look, maybe they are. Maybe you're you're just looking at it saying, well, they're better teams. But you can't say that in the vacuum of wins and losses. You ha- you can't ignore wins and losses. Like I feel like they do this because they know that other teams have to play each other. Like it's like a bracket, right? It's like well, like what they did with like Alabama and Texas A and M. Like the first, I think it might have been the very first year or a while. I don't know, maybe four years ago or something. They're in the first, they're the one and four seed. Oh, guess what? They still have to play on the regular season. Mm-hmm. So it's just all for pretend. It's all for television. That's what yeah, this is. So frustrating. But it's basketball season in Lawrence. So we can all feel better about that. It is basketball season in Manhattan on Wednesday night. As we record this on Tuesday night, it shows up on Wednesday. Make sure you tune in to the plus. I assume it's on the plus. Florida AM. One of the great college football bands in all of the yes. world. Yes. They won't be coming to the game. Rats. Damn it. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge. Thank you for listening. We're going to let Ryan Gilbert go to work now. He's done with this work. He's got more work to do. Making drinks. Mostly margaritas. No idea what that <laughs> accent was. I have no idea. It like was the worst accent <laughs> you sound, Yeah, you sound like a pirate. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Powercat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.